Hi, listeners, and welcome to the latest footnote episode of the Fancy Animation Podcast with me, Chris Holiday, And me, Alex Sargent. So as I said, we are footnoting again, and we're footnoting uh, on a topic that I know, well, nothing, nothing, not only nothing about, I'd also not heard of it, and you have... <laughs> For a while now, I said we should do Tolkien's on fairy stories, and I still, I still don't know. That's all I know about it. That that's what it's called. Um, okay. So this is uh, as you're, in you're uh, obviously normally when we do these, one of us is merely pretending not to know what we're no, talking no. about. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but right now, you will literally not know what you're talking about. Great. Um, no, you'll, I, play, I, you'll play the Coric role well then, Chris. Well, yes, I don't know. I mean, I know that it. We, we sort of. Having done, having completed, I should say, our Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, this very much comes out of that, and I think mm-hmm. it was an idea that you had to then do in response to us having finished, finished, uh, finishing the three films. But I don't, I don't know the intricacies of it and how sure. it kind of relates to to some of the stuff that we talked about. And uh, yeah, so I will be, I will be sitting here. I'm now the student in this ten minute office hour. Okay, so should we start with what is it? Yes, um, let's let's so, do that. Fine. Tolkien's On Fairy Stories is a kind of, um, it's a seminal kind of essay in fantasy scholarship. It's an essay that is often cited by contemporary academics, particularly within the literary field. And it is written by none other than, of course, J.R.R. Tolkien himself, him of mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth and all that stuff. Yep. Um, it is. Uh, it was originally delivered as a lecture. Um, as part of the Andrew Lang series of lectures at the University of St Andrews in 1939. And it's popped up in a variety of different collections ever since. The one I'm referring to today comes from the collection, uh, it's called like, I actually don't have it to hand, but something like oh, Monsters. Should have worked that one out, wouldn't, shouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not going to cut this out, everyone, because uh, because sometimes academics do things on the cuff and you need to know about that. Um, it's called something like, Monst- oh, The Monsters and the Critics and Other Essays. That's it. Um, but it's also published in another couple of different things. Thing. So it's okay. A, it's an essay about fairy stories written by J.R.R. Tolkien, Im of uh, Lord of the Rings, and that. Okay, so fairy. My first, and this is my. This is now with me adopting my fantasy hat on, as I very sure. rarely do, but occasionally do. Fairy is in F A I R Y rather than F A E R I E. Very good question, Chris. So uh, in in the essay, Tolkien basically says he's going to answer three questions. Okay, so as long as we try and answer these three questions, we'll have done our job. Okay, what are fairy stories? What is their origin? And what is the use of them? Okay? okay, and because he's an academic, he spends far more time doing the third thing than the first two things, which he kind of gets through quite easily. Mm. But to answer your question, what are fairy stories? He kind of skims through um, various um, accounts of where this term fairy came from, and he comes to the conclusion that when people say fairy stories, they do not mean stories about fairies, but rather something wider, something more encompassing. Mm-hmm. And actually, the way he seems to use it is a kind of tradition of 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 fantasy literature which is a bit different to i guess how we would use the term today most people who use the word fairy story today would refer to kind of folk stories fairy tales as a kind of demarcation from modern fantasy literature here tolkien seems to be using the word fairy to talk about um the whole history of kind of 
of marvellous literature, of literature about the fairy F-A-R-I, sorry, F-A-E-R-I-E, the kind of the, the nature of fairy. He says, indeed, fairy has many ingredients, but analysis will not discover the secret of the whole. Fairy itself may perhaps most neatly be, be um, translated into the term magic, but if it is magic, it is magic of a particular mood and power, the furthest pole from the vulgar devices of the laborious scientific magician. So not okay. magic in the in the VFX sense of the word, but magic in the kind of peculiar mood and power. Okay. Stories about magic. Okay, so I mean, I did, I wasn't aware that um, he was uh, that Tolkien was an academic or had that sort of sensibility. Insofar as I was kind of make, making that link between him giving a lecture or him writing Lord of the Rings. So this this comes. So he's, uh, a, he's, a, he's an Oxford pre- professor, remember. He is, a, he is an academic. Okay. He's not an academic of fantasy. Right. He's an academic of linguistics. Okay. And the whole point of Lord of the Rings is that he is a, he's a professor of, of Anglo-Saxon literature, of Anglo-Saxon mythology, of, 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 of ancient languages. And he, I mean, the famous story of, of Lord of the Rings is he invents the languages and then he invents the world to fit the languages. So he is a, he is a professor of linguistics, but he, so he's not, this is not necessarily him on his home turf, but he's <laughs> certainly used to writing... An academic essay or two in his time. So, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. And where does this come in relation to? And this is really me showing my ignorance. So, where does this mm-hmm. come in relation to um, the the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit? Because I, 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 I it took me a long time to work out that the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings were different books. Are they different, <laughs> different books? Are they? Yes. They're very different. Yeah, they're different books. Okay. Different books. Um, and also, I know that he wrote on Beowulf as well, and obviously that was a. Um, yep, a very popular, if slightly uncanny, computer animated film from 2007 that uses kind of motion capture and, and stuff. But um, and he writes that in 1936. So give me a little lineage of 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 how this fits in. Is he responding to his his writing in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? Is this is this anticipating Fine. his writing that he would do He's- in those novels? I'm I'm furiously googling just to make sure I've got my facts right, but uh, re- listeners, by all means, write in and complain if I haven't. So he gives the le- the the, es- the essay is first published in 1939. Yep. Um, he first gives the lecture in 1936, and the Hobbit is first published in 1937. So it's right, right. he's giving the lecture probably at the time he's finished the Hobbit or is about to finish the Hobbit, and it's about to be published. Lord of the Rings is a sequel to the Hobbit, and it comes out. Um, oh, a, a few years later, uh, in the 40s sometime, he says quickly, look, oh, no, in the 50s, 54, of course it does, 1954. Oh, right. Right, right, right. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big, long, gestating sequel to what's nominally a children's book, The Hobbit, and this essay is written whilst and during and in reflection of his writing on The Hobbit. Right, okay then. So this is in conversation with some of his thinking at the time around um, The Hobbit and presumably other kinds of work that relates to i mean thinking of all the terms that we've touched on that could be footnotes in their own terms what wonder the marvelous imagination like he it seems like tolkien's interested in he's interested in these things yes 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 he's absolutely interested in these things it is an essay as i said that tries to answer these three questions but uh and to repeat them they are uh what is what is a fairy story we've done that one already uh where is their origin he's not really actually interested in that he kind of does a couple of paragraphs on where they might come from and then concludes that really there's no point in tracing the lineage of it what you really need to do is think about it as a kind of state of mind as a kind of mode of fantasy and then he spends almost half the rest of the essay talking about that third question which is what is the use of them okay yeah um and that's where he sort of starts to create a number of terms and a number 
number of ways of articulating the, the way fantasy should be written and the way fantasy should be read that are still influential in literary theory today. Yeah. Um, I should say, though, that... Well, that, let's... That, Answer, ask me a follow-up, and um, I'll say what I've got to say when I have to say yeah. it. So, <laughs> so, it, so it seems to me that, that Tolkien is very much interested in, rather than being in the fantasy fiction, he's in the fantasy auditorium. Like He's interested more in spectatorship and the feel and the effects of fantasy and, what, and how we engage with it. Uh, well, you use or, the word spectator, that implies kind of film to me. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to... Inter- yeah, yeah, no, no, He's no. definitely not interested yeah, yeah. in that. He is interested in the writing of literature. In fact, there's a really famous passage, or at least in my head, a very famous passage in this not thing, where he says that the, the, the craft of fantasy or the art of fantasy is a thing best left to words. Um, in fact, I can quote, Fantasy is a, best th- is a thing best left to words, to true literature. In painting, for instance, the visible presentation of the fantastic image is technically too easy. The hand tends to outrun the mind, even to overthrow it, and silliness or morbidity or, um, um, or mub- or are frequent results. So okay. um, yeah, yeah. he doesn't like fantasy in art. Uh, he's famously very prickly about the idea of Lord of the Rings getting adapted to the big screen. This is a, an essay about the craft of writing fantasy and i should stress that's one of the reasons why i'm a little bit agnostic on this piece because i'm obviously a a film uh scholar first and foremost um and i also what it also is is it's a defense of fantasy it is one of those essays and you've Mm -hmm. encountered these as an animation scholars where a good chunk of it is spent him telling me telling people um that it's not just for kids that it's not just trivial it's 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 serious it's worthwhile it's it's something serious men and he probably does mean men uh do uh, and this is how they should do it for it to be serious. Um, okay. So he's very interested in how one crafts a fantasy story that is serious, that is worthwhile, and that can be appreciated as art. Okay. Uh, so he, he's, he is sort of interested in sort of s- structure, in, but through mm. the lens of craft. Yes, not so much structure, but world building. And world this building, is where yeah. you're going to love it because this is very much up your alley. Again, this is something I'm not very, I'm not particularly interested in. But well, not that I'm not interested. In, I don't necessarily buy what he's saying, but to but to say what he says, what he basically argues in this kind of big section on what the use of fantasy is, is he argues he argues against the old Coleridge thing about willing suspension of disbelief. And the idea that fantasy is about, you know, art and fantasy is about this willing suspension of disbelief. And instead, what he comes up with is this theory of what he calls sub-creation. So it's the idea that um, fantasy's appeal and the thing you do as a fantasy writer is to sub-create, is to create a secondary world which the mind can enter into. And if a writer does that properly, it allows the reader to engage in a process that isn't the suspension of disbelief, but what he calls secondary belief. Mm-hmm. You with me still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been... Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Right, yep. so these are terms that have kind of echoed throughout world-building theory. World be- these are big th- terms, and it's an essay that's only about 40 pages long. So he kind of throws these things out there, and kind of is le- we're left to kind of think about the possibilities of them. But yeah. what he means by secondary belief is, is the idea that things can be true in certain contexts, even if they are not true in other contexts. So I think he he uses an analogy once about cricket. Um, It's quite a flippant analogy, but I think it's quite a helpful one, which is the idea that, you know, in the game, it makes sense if you are watching cricket. Um, I I wish I knew more about cricket at this point, but it makes sense when um, 
when uh, when the wicketkeeper catches the ball before the batsman gets over the line to say that someone is out yes. in a way that is not true um, if they're walking down the street. Um, it, within the game of tri- cricket, things can be true that are not true when cricket isn't being played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's sort of making that point about this idea of fantasy. If a secondary world has been created, has been sub-created properly, things can be true and false, and the reader can engage in secondary belief while they're reading it, so that it's not about the willing suspension of disbelief, it's about engaging secondary belief. But that can only happen if the writer has crafted a successfully you know consistent logically consistent world where um things have been sub-created effectively yep no absolutely and actually this is you know this this writing i hadn't really put two two together but this work is foundational to to writing on fictional worlds mark mark jp wolf's book um building yep. imaginary worlds with the with the subheading the theory and history of sub-creation has a whole section in his chapter i think worlds within worlds which is about secondary worlds and secondary um kind of basically new forms of belief and sites directly told keen in secondary belief and 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 the idea mm-hmm. of kind of consistency and and this is yeah so this is this you're right i did love it yeah i thought you would i, to, I know we're out of time but my, my, i think my thorny caveat is that i don't really love you know me i never like using the word belief when it comes to particularly when it comes to fantasy so i'm not i'm not i'm not convinced by this but hey others are loads yeah. of people who who are who have who I respect tremendously and whose works are really great and, and we will now cite and people shouldn't go off and read. Um, it's an incredibly influential essay. We haven't had time to talk about all the other things he talks about, but hey, um, it's, yeah, it, people should go and read it because it basically is a foundational text on the history of world building and who better to write the, um, the theory of world building than the guy that created Middle Earth. Excellent. Um, just, yeah, we are a couple of minutes over time, but is there anything that responds to this? I mean, has it been influential? Is there scholarly writing on this? Apart from Wolf, something like Wolf and, and building imaginary worlds that is kind of fictional worlds in, in its tone, what else is yeah. there that people can go and find? Wolf's a really good one. Um, uh, Farrah Mendelssohn's Rhetorics of Fantasy with the immersive fantasy riffs on Tolkien quite a lot in there. Um, I should obviously say that the, the essay itself can be found in uh, The Monsters of the Critics and other, and other um, essays, as well as a, a, a book um, called Essays on Charles Williams. It's an odd title, but you'll find it in there. Um, yeah, and, and loads more that, that escape me, but it's, it's you know, there, there aren't many fantasy literary theorists, at least, that don't at least engage with yeah. this a little bit. Brilliant. There we go, then. Done and dusted. All right. Um, we're done and dusted, leaving Middle Earth behind, and well, I guess we'll see you next time. Oh, if people have obviously have suggestions for a f- uh, future footnote, fan and in research, F A N A N I M research at gmail.com. Um, we're delighted to receive them. Otherwise, we'll see you again. Bye.